0: Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is it's fitness coaching and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. Yes, this is the Overcomer Show, and I would argue that few have overcome more than a Navy SEAL has. Today, I have a special guest that, from the idea of working out with a jujitsu belt, Started what became a global brand, and that brand is TRX. And our guest today is Randy Hetrick. Randy Hetrick, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice to be with you. Uh, it's just great to have you here. I've admired your journey and who you are for a long time. So I'm great that I can bring this to our audience, especially so many fitness enthusiasts that use what you've created every day. Uh, so. Randy, I, I think a perfect place to begin is where you began uh, with TRX. Uh, can you share a little bit of that story, expound upon what I just said? Yeah, yeah, of course. I Well, I mean, you know, if
1: you've been in the fitness industry uh, uh, long enough, you, you'd be hard-pressed not to have suffered at least a little on our yellow and black straps from TRX. And But what a lot of people don't know was just kind of the, the silly little coincidence that that inspired it I mean I spent a career in the SEAL teams and back around I guess around 1997 um you know we deployed a ton during the 90s but when you deploy away from home back back in uh stateside you know you had world-class gym and and I was at the I was at the special missions unit at that point where we had an amazing gym to work out in but as soon as you deploy you got nothing and a lot of times you'd deploy into a place to do something that would then end up on hold you know the politicians would be doing their things and during that time you're you're just stashed away somewhere but you need you know most special ops cats are are essentially pro athletes in uniform right you you train uh on the same kind of cadence and and these days the same technology back then it was a little more prehistoric the technology we used but but you know you, you train as a professional athlete and so that didn't stop because you were deployed the need to stay in shape the need to train for specific you know mission um uh activities like climbing the side of a freighter you know with with 60 70 pounds of gear on your back um you got to have your pull-ups you got to be able to to maintain t- top pos- uh condition but without any gear. So I was on one of those deployments had accidentally stuffed my, my jujitsu blue belt in my bag along with a flight suit and ended up kind of sitting in this little warehouse over in Southeast Asia, waiting for a, you know, for word of what was going to happen. And, and I just happened to get inspired one day while I was sitting, listening to guys bitch and moan about, you know, not being able to work out. And I, I went and tied a knot in the end of it, threw it over what was literally a bathroom door in this warehouse and I, I just had this idea that today should resonate with folks called it's called functional training. Back then, there wasn't a, there wasn't a name for it. I wanted to do the motion that climbing a caving ladder, right, would would require, and then I wanted to figure out how to load it. So it's a dirty little uh, secret that that the uh, you know the first uh, movement ever on what became the TRX ultimately was what we call the power pull, which looks an awful lot. You, you know, grab a hold of, of a strap, lean away from it, and then lift your body up, you know, and, and then lean back down and repeat. And so I kind of thought, well, wait a minute, this is kind of cool. I can do this movement that then switch sides and train the other side. And, it, you know, it wasn't a perfect um, a duplication of the movement, but pretty darn close. And then I thought, well, wait a minute, what if I put the knot in the middle of this belt and threw it over the door? Now all of a sudden I have two straps hanging down, right? And I could do, whoa, I could do some rows, I could do some curls. And, um, and then, you know, I tried to do flies and there wasn't enough space. So I went over and rummaged around in this extra gearbox that we had and got about six feet of, of nylon webbing out that, that we would use to repair all kinds of stuff. It was originally for parachute harnesses um, and cut six feet of that, tied it in the middle, and now all of a sudden I had a standoff from the door, right? Which would give you all the room you needed for my big wingspan to be able to do flies. Then I turned around and was like, wait a minute, I can do presses. I can do chest flies. I can do overhead, you know, pull downs. And it was kind of off to the races. And that, that was the beginning of what of what became a pretty
0: cool set of straps. That is so awesome to hear, you know, necessity being the mother of invention. And actually just this week, all locations at Journey, are doing the same workout. That's just part of our brand, you know? So they all know that this week they are actually doing this single arm TRX row where they're reaching back, you know, getting that T row and uh, coming in. And that was the first exercise, so cool, so neat. And so then you have this idea and I'm sure that you started sharing it with some of your colleagues, some of your fellow soldiers. Uh, and uh, and then uh, how did it become the TRX that it is today? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I did
1: never even thought of it as a business. That was, it was just this kind of clever little thing that I had come up with. And and the other dirty little secret is that all old seals know how to sew because we used to have, to have to customize all our own gear. So when we redeployed back stateside, I went out into the paraloft got the sewing machines and started playing with it. And I thought, well, wait a minute, you know, now I can, now I've got an idea of how maybe I can make some, some adjustability to it, right. Because you're going to have different different height anchor points. And what if I wanted to sling it around instead of over a door, what if I want to sling it around a branch, you know, or a fence, uh, uh, you know, a a chain link fence or something like that. So I started tinkering with it. And then eventually I put some loops down on the other end that you could either use as handles or you could put your feet through, right. And suddenly you get your heels in and, and I just started playing with it, got it to a, to a pretty basic level. Frankly, it didn't have really any hardware other than a carabiner. uh, you know, it could adjust over a couple feet, um, height wise. And then you just kind of grabbed it wherever you needed to for whatever exercise you were going to do. And that's where it froze. And then a buddy of mine who was a parachute rigger liked to drink beer. And so dudes in the squadron would say to me like, Hey, Hey boss, make me one of your gizmos. And I'd be like, dude, you know, I'm, I'm not your seamstress go out and, uh, and get, uh, Get Dave a, a case of beer, and he'll make them for you. And so that's kind of how it took off. And within you know within the counterterrier, it's pretty it's a pretty isolated insulated group. Just guys started you know asking over and over, hey, can I get one of those things? I'm going out. I'm going out on deployment, and it just kind of slowly started percolating. And then you know I um, I ultimately after my squadron command, I I had you know kind of applied uh, on a on a bluff uh, to business school at stanford not ever expecting that i would get in but you know i was at that point where where if i'm ever going to leave and transition to something new you know now's the moment to do it and so i took a swing for the fences and to my everlasting astonishment i got into to stanford and when i was there that was where it started to transition into a business because i was out training in the athlete training center and all the coaches saw it and they would all come and ask me and it was funny cuz you know Stanford athletics has a pretty righteous gym for the athletes but as as you know the, the straps do something that not nothing else does yeah. so you know it's not it's not it's not the end all be all for everything but it's this essential tool in the toolkit and and that was where I started saying, well, wait a minute, all these, these coaches at this top D1 university keep telling me that they'd like me to make a bunch of these. Maybe there's a business in this thing. And and I used the second year at business school to incubate it. And you know, that was it.
0: Oh, that's so awesome because you know, I love the model of uh TRX where It says, make your body your machine, right? And you're talking about a time in 19... Yeah, there it is. For those of you that watch this uh, on the video, you got Randy with the shirt on today. says, make your body your machine. And, you know, you were inventing this at a time where bodybuilding workouts were still very popular. Uh, Muscle isolation was still very popular. Functional fitness was not so popular at the time that you were inventing this. And you were teaching people about what their most important machine was, is can you master your own body? And that's what I love about what TRX does. Uh, so where did you get the name TRX? Was that at Stanford that you came up with that? No, I originally launched the
1: business. It was called Travel Fit because, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those funny things. If, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Well, I had been using the straps primarily up to that point as a travel tool right? That's, I just told you the story of how, how I came up with it. So, but I was starting to, you know, to evolve that in that my own training, as I started realizing how powerful these straps were and this, this kind of approach to training, and I'd been a wrestler and then, you know, in the SEAL teams, you end up doing a ton of body weight stuff, right? Obviously military in general, pull-ups, push-ups, rope climbs, ton of calisthenics. So I had a pretty deep, background in, in what I would call performance calisthenics, high-end calisthenics. And I just started getting really interested. I was also getting to that point where elite athletes start running into, you know, father time, because remember I left the teams when I was 36. So, so I was in that, I was in that, that window of you're starting to train smarter and do maybe a little bit less high impact Um, nursing some, you know, long time injuries. And so body weight training and the straps just made a lot of sense to me, but you're right. It was so early to the, to the functional training movement. I mean, some of the path breaking, you know, thinkers out there, like Gary gray, gray cook, those guys were, you know, Paul check were early in their, their, their kind of uh, exploration of functional movement and functional training And it was so early that at some point somebody said to me, like, hey, this thing is, you know, if you've been following functional training, I was like, what? And uh, they said, well, this thing is the ultimate functional training tool. I said, oh, well, I kind of like the ring of that. And I literally jumped on whatever it was at the time, you know, the precursor to GoDaddy, typed in functionaltraining.com, came up and I bought it for 10 bucks. You know that tells you how how early we were to the to the functional training movement, and then fortunately, you know, it became a movement, and we we got to be part of that. We were just very lucky in that respect.
0: And so I know that it's a total body resistance system. uh, That you know you said okay, this is total body. Uh, Where did that? I mean, what did you call it? you know, when they were, when it was being sold for a case of beer, I mean, it was just like, you know, yeah, we'll make you one of those things, you know, right. And yeah, well, what, what was funny is, is the, the, the dudes in my
1: squadron would always call it the gizmo, gizmo like, oh, okay. boss, maybe one of your gizmos. Then, then I came up with, with the name, the, the trap. So remember we, we originally called the company travel fit. That was straight out of, you know, when I say we, I mean, me and my dog, blueberry, but, my wingman. <laughs> Uh, you know, called the company Travel Fit because that's how I envisioned we were going to be selling it was to travelers, right? Like people who train in gyms, but when they're away, needed a needed a great versatile tool. And so I came up with the with the name for it, the Travel X, the complete portable exerciser. And and you know, and and that lasted about a year until what happened was trainers were were just, I mean. You know, when you're starting a business, as you know, it ain't easy, no. and and when you find one of those veins that suddenly you know is is carrying you, uh, you got to embrace it. And and for me, it was trainers and coaches who mm-hmm. started saying, like, "Man, this thing does something special." You know, I, I I I know where to use it in my in my repertoire, and you know, what's the deal with travel? Because mm-hmm. everybody thought of anything that traveled was kind of a cheap, you know, fake kind of gizmo-y thing. And they're like, this thing is badass! Like, why are you calling it the travel-ax? Yeah. And, and so at the same time, you know, so that was where I, they said, well, what, what really is it? And I started trying to describe it to people. And the closest I could come was, well, it's a trainer that suspends part of your body. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna call it the suspension trainer. Uh-huh. And, uh, and we filed a trademark on that, right? Because nobody, it didn't exist in the universe, right? Nobody wanted to use suspension trainer to describe a, a product back then. And then I would be describing, like, if you and I were on a plane together, you know, you'd be asking me, well, wait a minute, how does it, how does this thing work? Randy, you just told me you, you, you got this, this product that you sell in the training business. I'm a trainer. You know, how's it work? Does it have weights? Well, no, Travis, it doesn't have any weights. Oh, so it stretches like a band. No, no, it doesn't stretch either. And then you'd, you'd look at me and be like, well, dude, how do it work? Mm. And uh, and I ultimately would describe it as it's a total body resistance exercise system. Uh-huh. And our logo at the time was an X, right? Uh-huh. An anthropomorphic body in motion that looked like an X. And so I just one day I, I realized I kept telling people this total body resistance exercise
0: trx that is awesome that's such a it's so great for the people that use it every day to just hear this story and understand where it came from and it's really interesting to me to think you called it a travel system because i mean you were the one that had to travel that was your job right you know you needed it for when you were doing that but uh your main clientele quickly became trainers that wanted to use this in the repertoire uh, for, you know, getting results with their clients. So it's cool how sometimes our customers are actually the ones that help us to evolve and name things and, you know, understand, you know, there is a greater purpose for this because very niche to just think about special forces groups traveling, but, uh, you know, much greater demand in the fitness industry, you know?
1: Yeah, you know, I think, I think one of the lessons that I take out of it is, has come to characterize any product development effort that I'm involved with or service development is, you know, you really need to start with a problem, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't start by solving a problem, a real problem that's perceived by, you know, by, it doesn't have to be by everybody, but it's perceived by a fair number of people as a problem, then you end up, you know, a little like, like Sisyphus, right? You're pushing your rock uphill, but the second that you stop pushing, it rolls back down to the bottom because there's no, you're not really solving a problem. You're just doing something because you can't. And, and the, you know, what was interesting in my case is the reason I viewed it as a travel tool was that was the problem that I was solving, right? That was the problem that, that me and all of my buddies had was when we deployed our gym went away. And, right. and so, so that's, you know, that was the Genesis of the product then the name kind of came out of its out of its purpose. And then ultimately, to your point, my customers actually jumped in and said, well, wait a minute, dude, you got this all wrong or you got this <laughs> partly wrong. Yeah, it's true that it's a great tool on the road, but let me tell you why it's a great tool in the right in the middle of the gym. And that was kind of, you know, that was where I had to sit back and listen and learn.
0: Yeah, it's really good, you know, because our customers give us clarity on how we need to serve them. And as we get that clarity, you know, we understand even more of our purpose if that's what we're really there for, which is to serve. Um, You know, it's an interesting exit from the Navy SEALs to go to Stanford. I I don't know how common that is, that somebody swings from the fences from the Navy SEALs and and gets into Stanford, but uh, what do you you feel that that did for you the most going to Stanford? You know, you have this TRX device on your hands and uh, not really sure what the business plan is for it yet, but... uh, how did Stanford uh, help with yeah. that? Well, I mean, I, I think so. First of all, it is astonishing
1: that I got in. Uh, and it's even more astonishing that they let any more SEALs in after me because I was I was the first guy in the door. And after my first year's performance, I'm surprised they let anyone else in.
0: <laughs> but I did
1: survive and made it through. And now it's kind of become, you know, there's, there's, there's one or two frogmen in pretty much every class at Stanford Business School. Um, and, you know, what I was using it for was a pivot point because for those who have or will you know undergo a career transition it's a hard thing to do and it's it's really hard if you came from something that you loved and that had really become you know i mean every, every bit of me was a navy seal that was my you know the, that that was the way i saw myself it was the way i i related to the world and so suddenly to not be that is a scary thing and and a lonely thing and um and i decided that I needed a pivot point if I was going to go be a business guy I had to learn a whole new vocabulary and that that's what that's what business school was useful for I don't think it's necessarily critical for people that that are you know doing career transitions or coming out of you know coming out of high school or undergrad to go to business school it certainly is helpful you mm-hmm. know because you learn a new vocabulary and you build a network even even maybe more importantly of of people who have pretty deep expertise in things that you're going to need, and so if you build that network um, smartly and and authentically, then you've got these people out there that are that are available to help you from profs to classmates um, to to friends of classmates, and that's how you start to build a network that becomes pretty useful.
0: Really good. Well, you know, I think being an entrepreneur takes a special kind of grit <laughs> that certainly a Navy SEAL is well prepared for. But do you think that being a Navy SEAL, going through everything that you had to go through to first become one and then be one, uh, were there times when you were first getting started and you realized what an uphill battle it is to to create a business and then create a global brand? Um, were there certain... Uh, was there a well that you pulled from that had to do with just the life that you had lived that gave you the grit uh, that you needed to keep pushing forward for it to be what it is today?
1: For sure. I mean, I, I, I think it's a, you know, an incredible preparatory path going through the SEAL teams to become an entrepreneur. Now it may not be for everybody, right. But it, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things that will take you, you know, through the fire and, and kind of show you, what your capabilities are if you just keep your feet moving, right? And you just refuse to quit. And, and focus on, you know, on honing your craft, because the the SEAL teams are one part, you know, mental and physical toughness. The other part is they're perfectionists in honing their craft. Right. And, and when you when you get a a group and and ultimately they're, you know, one of their prod, one of their main products that come out of that kind of a culture. Is highly trained teams. Mm-hmm. So when you think about you know that set of things, pretty damn useful and convertible into you know building a company from scratch. Uh, you, you know you, it's the odds are definitely against you as an entrepreneur trying to build something. I mean you know kind of nine and ten businesses don't su- survive their, their second year. Um, so it's you can't let that bother you. You know you've got to be you, you got to do your diligence, make sure that your idea isn't like, you know, totally whacked. But, but if you're, if, if you've done your diligence and you feel like you've got the right, the right uh, level of, of intuition and experience to, to believe your concepts viable, then you just got to put your head down, you know, keep your feet moving and drive. And then as you go along, constantly be honing your craft, be building your team. Right. And so, so that you are, you are making progress Uh, forward into the market, and you're also getting better as an individual and as a team, you know, every day you show up.
0: Yeah, I can see where, you know, understanding the value of a team, understanding the value of being organized, understanding the value of, you know, perfect practices, uh, you know, can definitely make you a a great entrepreneur. I want to ask you a two-part question. Um, When somebody hears that you've been a Navy SEAL, I'm sure that you probably get a, a standard comment, wow, you must have gone through a lot. And, uh, you know, if I was to say that phrase to you, are there, is there a time that comes to mind in the Navy SEALs that uh, really put you to the test? One that you can share, of course, I know there's certain things you probably still can't share. And, uh, you know, then of course, I, I wanna ask you that about your entrepreneurship as well. You
1: know? Yeah, I mean, I, I guess what I'd say is, cause there's, I mean, look, that, that career is, is fraught with tests. It's just endless. Um, and you know, they're, they're physical, they're mental, they're emotional. There's all kinds of tests. That's just, that's, that kind of a career. Um, it's why folks that spend their careers in that, in that, in that kind of calling are worthy of, you know, of all of our, all of our support and gratitude because it's, it's, uh, it's exciting, incredibly, um, rewarding, but also man, really, really challenging. And the, the thing I would say that you have to do on a regular basis is you got to overcome your own fear, right? It's because everything you're doing is inherently dangerous. Not just, not just you know. People think that that operational deployments, you know, where you're actually going out and chasing bad guys, is is the only time that that um, that soldiers are are you know in danger. That couldn't be further from the truth. Especially at the special ops units, or or you know, look at aviators. Like you're you're pushing the edge of the envelope in training all the time. And occasionally you find it, right? And you find it because somebody gets grievously injured or, or dies. And, and the things you're doing are inherently unnatural. Your body is telling you like, dude, don't do this, right? You've got, you know, 6 million years of evolution telling you, yeah, this is not smart. You should stop doing this. But you have to, you have to push through that by relying on, on your SOPs, right? Your training and your standard operating procedures and the talents of the guys to your right and your left. And then you just got to, you know, bite down on your mouthpiece and and do your job no matter what, no matter what your inner voice is telling you. And that's the thing that makes those cats special, right? Because because sometimes those things are very, very scary. And that ends up being highly convertible later on because there were a lot of awful dark. I mean, I, I, I always tell people when they say that about seals is like, you know, fear and misery and challenge. It's all relative. Everybody's got their own versions of that in their lives. And it, you know, maybe the the, the things that, that SEALs undergo are a little bit more unique, but everybody's got the things that scare them and the things that that tear them down and the the, the things that you got to work through. So, you know, I, I think that that um that my experience as a SEAL definitely converted across into being an entrepreneur where you're scared and uncertain and desperate. And and you know while you're not maybe uh, the stakes aren't life or death they sure feel like it right when your whole when your whole uh, uh, livelihood for you and your family and if you have investors partners employees like it feels life or death if you're a good leader
0: yeah I love how you you've uh, used fear uh, like you know, I had to stare down fear uh, I like the acronym of fear. You know, some people look at it and they're going to forget everything and run. And then some people are going to face everything and rise. And we have this overcomer logo in our podcast and in our franchise. And, and, you know, you've done that throughout the seals, faced everything and rise. And then uh, you did that throughout your entrepreneurship and you most recently did it again. Um, And, and, you know, you're, uh, we can share a little bit about that. Sure. Uh, The question that I, I guess I just want to ask about, um, you know, before we leave the training, is, you know, there's there's some scary moments even in your training. I mean, I've seen pictures of like bud school and uh people are like handcuffed in swimming pools and things like that, you know, to just put them into these situations that they could possibly face. Um those those are the types of scenarios that you're talking about where even in a training situation, you know, you're you're at that uh, that high risk of of you know death or serious injury, right? Um, are those the types of situations you're describing? Or yeah, I mean, in when you're when you're going through your initial
1: training, it's a controlled environment, it doesn't feel that way, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and occasionally, you know, things go wrong, but but fairly rarely, uh, where it gets a little but but when you're going through that, the machine is really good at pressurizing Mm -hmm. every circumstance. Like it doesn't matter. You can be taking a little quiz in a warm classroom and they're genius at, at creating an environment of fear that it's all designed to push you way out of your comfort zone and to determine whether a guy is able to stay cool, right? In very hot circumstances, right? Whether, whether you're, you're able to get comfortable in really uncomfortable circumstances because the worst thing that can happen is that they put a guy through, who panics because when you panic, you die, right? Like that, it doesn't matter what's, what's going on. You panic, you know, you're going to die or, or something very, very bad is going to happen. So all of that training is designed to make sure that a guy can, can keep clear thinking and be methodical and follow procedure during circumstances that make that very difficult. Because then once you get to a SEAL team, that's where it gets much more dangerous because now, you know, you do not have controlled environments. You, you know, you are, you are now on your own recognizance, right? When you are doing these things yeah. and if you don't do them right, then you can easily die and you can kill a guy to your, you know, that's, that's attached to you or the, that you're with. So, so that's what the whole program is designed to do is to, is to get people to think clearly under pressure.
0: Well, I like the idea, uh, the description of pressurized environments, because diamonds are made under pressure, right? And, uh, you know, you've certainly proven yourself to be that diamond. Um, what do you remember from the early days that uh, challenged you as, okay, I got a product, I got a business plan, I'm going to get it out there to the world, you know, and we just talked about that, you know, you gave reference to, you know, needing to feed your family and, you know, not wanting to let down your investors, Um you know, there's always those early days of starting up. My early days was 14 members and figuring out how to pay the bills, right? You know, uh how about yourself when you're first beginning TRX? Were there some times that, that challenged you and you wondered, man, am I gonna be able to make this into a business?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, constantly because you know, I was trying to do something that was there there wasn't a clear path on, right? Even functional training at the time, as we mentioned, was like in its infancy. So there wasn't there wasn't a lot of great. Uh, you know, if you're, you come out with a better form of a tire, okay, well, everyone understands, you know, what a tire does. And so it's just a question of, is yours better or not? You come out with something like a suspension train, or whether there isn't such a thing. It's a very, um, I mean, the, the, the thing that kills most startups is obscurity because you have a little bit of resources, human and capital, and there's a burn rate, right, that's going on because you're, expen- you're, you're expending that, that capital. And if you don't get out of obscurity quickly and get in front of people who become your customers, you know, it's going to be game over. So that those early desperate days of, of wondering to myself, like, am I nuts here? You know, is, is, is this thing that I really understand and and see the value of, or am I going to be able to get other people who aren't, you know, elite Navy SEALs or, you know, like D1 athletes, am I going to be able to get others interested in this? And that, that was one of the, you know, one of the early struggles and then, obviously capitalization, right? Like having, where's the money coming from for an unproven, because I didn't come from any money. You know, I had like 50 grand in life savings when I left the SEAL teams and I dumped it all into TRX. And, and so it was kind of a, this is either going to work or it's going to, it's going to, you know, crash violently and quickly and I don't really have to go get a real job, um, and and those were desperate, you know, early, scary times that every entrepreneur I think goes through. Unless you come from a, I always tell people when they say, "What's your biggest piece of advice as an entrepreneur?" Hey, come from a wealthy family, because right? if, <laughs> if you can figure that one out right? Life as an entrepreneur would be much easier. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to, to pull that one off. So I had to do it the hard way.
0: Yeah, well, I can relate to that. I always say that you're either going to spend a lot of money or you're going to, if you're bootstrapping an operation, you're going to spend a lot of time, right? You know, you, you have two different types of entrepreneurs that approach things. But but thank you for sharing, you know, your early days of self-doubt. And then there were milestones that, that came along. I, I mean, TRX, I mean, a global brand, you know, from being just something that you were using for yourself and, and serving your fellow soldiers with, uh, it became a global brand and and you added things along the way, you know, TRX certifications and video training and uh, even uh, other devices, you know, things such as that. Um, and can you take us through like some of that evolution, you know, give us like, you know, your timeline, if you will?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, you I don't really, I'm not one of those guys that believes in, in kind of the tipping point, right? right. That you hear about. It's, I think there's like a, the metaphor is still good because there are there are little tipping points is how I would look at it. And each one moves you further, right? Uh, down the road. And and so, you know, starting to get trainers for me to buy at trade shows, like just walk up with their with their credit card, right? Swipe, which gives you cash. And then you get a trainer who gives you validation because the trainer makes his or her living training others. And that first customer becomes your ambassador, right? To a bunch of others on the other side of it. So, so that was kind of one of the early epiphanies that I, that I, I realized like, okay, we're starting to get somewhere. We're, we're selling to these trainers. Then a lot of trainers train athletes, right? And, and so, you know, I started getting higher level athletes and then pro athletes, and then like major sport pro athletes. And you know, when when you know Drew Brees entered the scene and and uh you know I met Drew through Todd when Drew had just torn his labrum and I had no idea who Drew Brees was, right? Like mm-hmm. Drew was not the Drew we know today. I mean he was, but we didn't know about it. And uh and you know, I had the chance to, you know, Todd just reached out to me who had become one of my early friends in the industry and said, Hey, I got this young guy that you know has had this terrible you know, uh, injury to his throwing shoulder, but I think your straps might like be really useful in rehab. And I hadn't really thought of rehab at that point. And I was like, okay. And he said, well, you know, would you send a couple down so, so I could work with him on them and, you know, he could take one on the road with him. And I said, yeah, sure. Of course. And then got to know Drew and, and, you know, then Drew's story began to evolve and grow. And man, you talk about a guy who masters his craft and who is obsessive. Right. that he taught me a lot about about really honing your craft and all the, the detail that goes into becoming you know one of the best in the world. And, and then fortunately you know his, his rise took off and he's, he's the kind of cat that you, you know if you take care of him, he's gonna take care of you. And so we got to ride along with his um, journey, which was really helpful in, ex, in exposing us to a whole bunch of other SNC coaches athletic teams, top athletes, right. Who are like, well, wait a minute, I, I got to get me some of those straps. And, and so that kind of helped, you know, ratchet our way. I would think of it more as like a ratcheting process <laughs> than, than as a tipping point, right. You just slowly ratchet your way up and to the right.
0: Yeah, no, know. Very good. And of course a lot of hard work being there at those trade shows and connecting with people and evolving one ratchet strap at a time or one ratchet yeah. step, you know, um, and now, you know, most recently, you know, I, I'm going to jump to this, you know, I want to be respectful of your time today. You had to go through the process of buying back your original company. I mean, this is a little bit of like a, a Steve Jobs type of story. I mean, if you will, I mean, because uh, under Man. different context, but uh, yeah, if you will. Yeah, you- well,
1: I mean, you know, the lesson is be careful who you take money from, because, you know, I... Made the fateful mistake to take a, a, a private equity investment from just some very bad guys that were both, uh, you know, really incompetent and just, uh, just not good people. And and basically, right after I did it, I realized, wow, was this ever a mistake? And you know, went through a, a very very difficult year, uh, a couple of years, frankly, after the deal closed, 2019 and 2020 trying to, you know, my best to, to help these guys uh, avoid doing stupid things. But, you know, unfortunately, their, their lack of, of uh, competence was made up for by a surplus of hubris. And so, you know, what do I know as the guy who who built this thing, you know, over, over 17 years, and, and ultimately, I made the decision to leave the business, uh, because I just couldn't deal with them. And, and I went out to, you know, I'm always walking around in dual, dual uh, logos these days. I went out with the idea of starting an outdoor um, embodiment of TRX, an outdoor mobile training service called Outfit. And so that was, you know, I was going to be a startup guy all over again, which I, which I was and am still, but about two years into that, uh, all of a sudden, how, how you take a business like TRX that in, you know, 2021 did or 2020 did. Uh, over 20 million in in EBITDA, and 16 months later, running into bankruptcy. I have no idea. It's a special gift that you know. I'm just glad I don't have. Yeah. Uh, but but that's what happened. And and I suddenly got notice about a month before they declared bankruptcy that the business was going to go under. Uh, and I managed to uh, reach out to another friend of mine in my network who had built a very very successful career buying and selling businesses um, as a partner at Goldman Sachs for for 20 years and another half dozen years at TPG, a guy named Jack Daly, who I knew through the SEAL teams uh, because he's a big supporter of the Navy SEAL Foundation. Um, And we got together and had a quick, you know, some quick conversations about it. And he had retired, ironically, about a year earlier and was feeling like, yeah, maybe it'd be good to get back in the game. And this opportunity came along to go back and buy uh, TRX back out of the bankruptcy process. You know, it obviously kept operating. But, um, uh, and so we took a swing at it again, thinking there was very low probability that it would work, but, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained and went after it. And lo and behold, we got it. And so suddenly, you know, at, at 56 uh, not 36, I, I had not, not one, but two businesses, one being a startup, and the other being a turnaround. And, you know, you just never know what's coming around the corner, Travis.
0: Yeah, you know, as you share that story, you know, you said, ironically, you know, I was saying you coincidentally, but I don't believe in coincidence. I mean, do you ever feel like, you know, everything that's happened in your life is, uh you know, been there to lead you to where you are today. I mean, it's just like, well, I happen to know this guy from the SEAL team and I had this guy and it's like, uh, you know, certain people uh, such as yourself, uh, it would amaze me if they didn't feel like they were created for a purpose for like this time and place, you know, and so, uh,
1: you know, I don't know. I, what I, what I do, I kind of believe in, in serendipity, but what I really believe in is like, if you, if you put yourself in, in the right position. Right, and and you constantly stay optimistic. You're doing the right stuff in your life. You're honing your craft. You're building, you know, strong relationships that, that ultimately people call a network. You know, I view it as you build you build a series of very strong relationships, and if you stay along alive long enough, you know, you got a lot of them. And yeah, I suppose that forms a network. But but you know, if you're doing that kind of stuff, you put yourself in a position where you know luck. Can can, meaning circumstance, can suddenly pass your way and you're in the right spot to capitalize on it. You know, there's that old saying, good players make their own luck, right? And and whether I'm a good player or not, who knows? But but I know that I certainly try. And and if you if you're if you put yourself in that kind of position, your odds of having, you know, opportunities come along um, that that hopefully work out uh for the best, your odds are much better.
0: Wow, we've heard some great advice today. And uh, yeah, that reminds me of the phrase that luck is when preparation meets opportunity. And you were just saying, hone your craft, build your network, stay optimistic. Like those are three great tips right there for success. What's next for TRX, Randy Hetrick and Outfit? Can you tell us a little bit about our, our vision for the future that we should be following?
1: Yeah, well, TRX, you know, it's, it's interesting because it was so bad. I mean, it's just honestly, mind numbing at how much damage was done in such a short period of time. But uh, so that required some real heavy lifting. And, you know, we we've only we only took the company back uh, in September, late September. So, you know, we've been at it there. I'm I don't have an operating role, per se. I'm the chairman. Um, You know, I was able to persuade my partner, Jack, to take the CEO role because I was fully committed to outfit. And you know I knew that I knew Jackie and Jackie grind any for CEO to bits other than me and, and, and so so he took the 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 job, which has been really fun working with a partner um, you know, and it's just pr- primarily his money that, that bankrolled this you know with a, with the rest of us kicking it a little um, which is great because now we can build you know a we can build a a smart long-term all the things that I tried to do for a lot of years before I made these fateful decisions to take, you know, institutional capital into those businesses, um, into that business, I should say. So TRX is, is, you know, first it was stabilized. We're through that phase. Now we're back to, you know, getting profitable again. And, and then we'll, we'll get back to some of the things that made TRX great, which is partnering with trainers, coaches, gyms, um, Continuing to expand into the consumer fitness space, but really being kind of Switzerland, being friends with everybody, right? That that's how that's how TRX became TRX, and and uh, we're going to lean hard into that, and then we're also uh, leaning into you know digital content because as a companion to the products that we build, which will continue to expand our product line, um, we think that you know there's a big opportunity to to match those tools with with personalized content for end users. So that's kind of TRX's um, you know path and it's it's on a 10 20 year you know steady state kind of growth is what we're shooting for out of that. And that outfit, you know, is a baby and and we took so you'll know as a franchise or i mean it's similar thing we you know 2021 was building all the assets building a pretty incredible tech platform, you know coming up with our vans because our, our vans are out there as, as world-class rolling gyms. And then 2022 was about proving the business. So we, you know, we took a a, a corporate market in South Florida and around the Fort Lauderdale area and, and opened up five different platforms about, about uh, 10 or 12 locations. Um, because again, it's think of it like a city bus map, right? Like there's, there's a, a park, and there's an app. And if you're at that park at the right time, the van is going to be there, the coaches and, you know, 20, 30 other outfitters are going to be out there getting their groove on out, out in the blue skies and fresh air. And that's, that's the concept that we piloted in 2022 and, and 2023 begins to scale it through uh, franchise sales. So we'll be a fellow franchiser out there with you guys, um, Uh, just growing that business, you know, from now until kingdom come.
0: Well, I think it's just an awesome uh, uh, evolution, if you will, for TRX. It began as a travel trainer and now we got this traveling uh, franchise. I mean, it's just, uh, it seems perfect to me. Uh, So if people want to learn about Outfit, uh, if they want to learn about TRX, uh, you know, where do they go? Yeah, well, so, so. You know, my social stuff, which
1: kind of touches it all is just at Randy Hettrick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the TRX is at TRX training. Mm-hmm. Um, that's probably the best way to follow us on Instagram, Facebook and outfit is at outfit training underscore HQ. And, and we, uh, you know, we, we really have focused most of our energy as a startup on Instagram, um but but our, you know we have facebook as well and and uh we're actually venturing into the tiktok world here pretty quick to see what that's all see it's it's never too late to teach an old dog new tricks travis that's what. That's what oh I'm man talking.
0: i'm with you you know I, i'm still trying to learn instagram and i got people in my inbox telling me that i got to get into tiktok more for marketing my business and uh, you know you do have to stay up with the latest trends and they are important and uh social media is a big part of uh, how we get things out there today. So uh, I'll be, I'll be watching for you on TikTok for sure. Um, Randy, thank you so much for sharing any final words for our audience today. So much. Well, of hey, we, I'm, you know, I'm
1: happy. I, I appreciate you having me on. I'm happy I could, could participate in the program. Um, and, you know, I mean, you, I presume have, have the, the folks that are following you are either out there building their bodies or they're out there thinking about building businesses and, and there's a lot of commonality between those two things right you just got to be consistent i i, I constantly am, am reminding myself to do a better job at honing my craft right like you, you should never be satisfied with what you know or or how you're performing your leadership duties you know there's always room to improve and I, I think if you just you know stay humble and try to stay hungry uh, then whether, whether you're building your, your you know your your own self or whether you're building a business and, and trying to lead a, a team, uh, the same concepts apply. Stay optimistic, hone your craft, right? Never quit.
0: That's awesome. Stay optimistic, hone your craft and never quit. As we have on the walls of Journey, never give up. Randy, thank you. Thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. Good luck to you.